someone else has already said it best. This is the best, best of it. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. Best, 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 best. We're Arctic Monkeys. This is I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor. Don't believe the art. Hello and welcome to Best of the Best Podcast with myself, Connor Keys. Beside me, as always, the one and only Mr. Ron Mullen. Ron Nemet Mullen. <laughs> I never know what's going to come out of your mouth. <laughs> Uh, we are here with uh, our episode number 10, and mm-hmm. uh, we've had to take a bit of a detour. Do you want to explain why? Uh, yeah, we've had to take a bit of a detour because the 10 that we wanted to do, the number 10 that we wanted to do... Well, let's go back to the very start. Okay. Take the day, to the beginning. The day, <laughs> the day that we talked about this, mm-hmm. that infamous Sunday. Yes. The only reason we wanted to do it was because of this particular subject. Yeah, number 10. It was our... We were actually going to start on it. Yes. Uh-huh. Which would have been a fucking train wreck. But... Disaster, yeah. Uh, we <laughs> we were a week in to our epic research mm-hmm. of this topic and realized we were only both about a third of the way through the yeah. thing. It's so big. It wouldn't have... No. Uh... And as a result, then we went back to our list because you'll be glad to hear we have come up with a second set of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, more, more, more actually. Maybe, have we yeah. more? Yeah, ten we could actually surprisingly agree on. I think ten more, yeah. and then a load of other ones that are uh, quite obvious, I suppose. Uh, so today we have Arctic Monkeys, whatever people say I am. That's what I'm not. Mm-hmm. So the debut album, uh, two thousand five, which I will bet. Is one of the ones you sent to me and went, he's never going to. Yeah. Isn't it? I uh, genuinely, tr- truthful though. I sent, uh, to, to, yeah, to be honest, yeah. I'm not. I, I actually sent it on thinking this is going to be, like, I might as well send uh, yep. you two. Because. <laughs> no. 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 Uh, I just thought there's no chance, but I thought I would sneak it in because to me, it was one of my definitely um, all time top tens. Like. Uh, a, 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 a complete out of nowhere album. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe we could talk about that, the background to the band. Well, so fucking young. Very young. So young. Disgustingly young. Like, the, right, I just, I in 2005, when I was 24, 25, yeah. I was thinking, these young fuckers. We knew everything, man. Who do they think they are? We knew everything. Mm-hmm. We knew nothing. Absolutely fuck all. And uh, <coughs> Alex Turner showed us that. <laughs> yeah, he really did. I mean, he I think he wrote them, every yeah. single song, yeah, and every song, lyric, bar yeah. maybe one song where a guitar player and helps out with. But that's it. I mean, yeah. he's it's all him. It's all him. So the background to the boys are from Sheffield, um, uh, famously a very industrial sort of area, working class area. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of previous Sheffield cohort, sort of like of Nick Cave, and Pulp, and Pulp. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Richard Hawley, obviously, then went on after Pulp, and Jarvis is still cocking about. <laughs> Jarvis Cox. Jarvis Cox. Uh, oh, so, yeah, Sheffield, um, but kind of went off the radar, maybe after Pulp as such, maybe. I don't, I don't think there we're was Swede, much of a... We're Swede from uh, Sheffield or Manchester. Manchester. Let's go just briefly into what I know about what was going on around about that time. Mm-hmm myself yourself and a lot of our friends you usually listen to a lot of guitar music from the uk yeah um at the time anyway mm-hmm. um and there was a lot of big american bands and strokes and stuff were huge like yeah so that was out there and i didn't like it yeah it wasn't my thing it wasn't like i avoided it it's just it was everywhere and you couldn't get away from it there was a lot of the 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 libertines at that time as the well answer, the bravery they were all yeah and it just it, it was over totally over, it was yeah. so overwhelming but because i would i was listening to i was listening a lot more hip-hop to be fair in the early 2000s but what was happening was everywhere i was going people were talking about arctic monkeys have you heard this song have you heard it? I said, where have you heard it yeah like it isn't on the ra- where have you heard it people were like myspace yeah so I said, what 
what are we, what the fuck are you talking about? What is a MySpace and how have you heard music on it? And what's a... Which is what every young person now listening to this is thinking. What's my, what what the, fuck? the fuck is MySpace? Yeah. <laughs> Sad as that may be. Uh, MySpace then was, I suppose, the initial social media platform. It, um, it definitely became... What do you call your boy? Tom? Tom, the guy who like guy who, you like, get a message, get a from, message him. from Tom to say welcome to MySpace. You're like, All right, Tom. At the desk, turn around. Hi. Was he actually Shittiest the profit? guy? He, I think he was the guy. Yeah, he he was the Zuckerberg of uh, MySpace. Um, Did Zuck fuck him? Somebody fucked him because that him. that thing went I don't down know if like a fucking fucked by Bebo. Maybe Bebo. Uh, Bebo. <laughs> Did you ever do the Bebo memory thing? Yes. And you get all your mm-hmm. oh, embarrassing. Oh, no. <laughs> let's, let's just move along swiftly. More embarrassing for your daughter. Yeah. Because remember, I found that picture of her. She was two. Yeah. And the football top. Mm-hmm. And I had forgot that oh. I had that. <laughs> Bebo. Bebo. Uh, Artie Monkeys then became known as the sort of first band that, as you say, came up through nowhere. Came up through, well, yeah. well. At that stage, it was nowhere, which was known as internet internet music. Yeah, I thought it was pretty savvy with social media, etc. And it's infancy at that stage, in fairness. But I knew it was going on. Yeah. I wasn't downloading illegal or anything. No, God forgive you. Because it was 2005 and it would have took 18 weeks to get one song. But I I knew what it was at. Yeah. And I still didn't know what this thing was or why is there this entire platform that thousands of people have signed up to listen to these guys and their music for free? Mm Mm-hmm. And how did he get there? Yeah, with no record label. No and what one. record label would ever do that? No, no radio airplay, no nothing. No. So they were the first band, and this is why we picked it as being one of the best, because not only, not only are, the, are the tunes fucking amazing, but you've got that context of the first band to do this without the need of uh, promotion, mm-hmm. marketing. It was done solely by fans. Uh, and the first one to really... When you release a debut album and it becomes the biggest selling UK debut album of all time, it really kicks the fucking hole of the record companies. You're going, oh, mm-hmm. this, this internet thing might... Now, we could have an argument all day long whether it's been to the detriment of music that the internet has taken over the music's uh, sort of scene, but uh, they definitely took the benefit of it. They were fucking... Yeah. Like, they were masters of it. But there was something about then they, they, they released, like, bootleg CDs. They... Or they didn't. A bootleg CD was going about about Sheffield. It was then put up on. Oh, they recorded their own demo. The likes of the Limeware. Fuck. You wouldn't know anything about that now. You're you ringing me back to that now. You wouldn't be downloading anything. Is it? No, I've heard of it yeah. through you. Uh-huh. Um, not guilty, Your Honor. <laughs> Mars Volta first song I downloaded. That was Mars Volta. I think mine was like a. Rodney Carrington. You remember that? What? No, Man, you're nostalgia and the fucker to this one. No, you? Rodney Carrington. Rodney the, Carrington. Yeah, hanging with my penis. <laughs> it was a great song because it was only like a minute and a half. Yeah. So it didn't, it take, it, it didn't take a week and a half to download. Uh, <laughs> it was a yeah. to a three and a half minute song. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was, was horrible that times. Was, <laughs> Real <laughs> horrible times. Uh, so, I mean... It, so it, the bootleg... It, it, the bootleg pushed it through. And so this, this band then got this reputation and... It wasn't unmerited. I mean, it was. I mean, they were they were definitely skilled. Um, oh yeah, but it all it just sort of it was almost the zeitgeist of what was to come in regards to the flood of internet opportunities and internet music. Mm-hmm. There's a lot uh, of big. Uh, Taylor Swift was famously found through MySpace. Yeah, I think Bieber was too, and mm-hmm. then more sort of closer to home, Lily Allen and mm-hmm. these types. And there was actually a girl, I can't even remember the song, but I was reading about it today. Something about I wish it was a punk rocker with flowers in my hair. Oh, she uh, released what do you it. Call her? It's Sa- Sandy Tom. You got it? There you go. Sandy Tom. She released it. It flopped. Mm-hmm. So then she started recording her own, like, live from the basement sessions of her house. Mm-hmm. And it became massive. And then they re released again. It was huge. Yeah. And that was. So you're like, what? What was good? Was, the song was still the same song? Same song, yeah. It, <laughs> it a, didn't. It had the following behind it. And but it, it got like, it back in, yeah. Yeah, very reflective of today. It's the same person, just with more followers, or it's the same, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same thing. Um, Libertines kind of had the same, that sort of guerrilla approach to just popping up and doing gigs and just not really... Like, that whole um, that whole world means nothing to me. Like, I don't even know. 
I couldn't if you yeah. played one of their songs, I wouldn't have a clue what was going on. I think it's just because they took it to the the nth degree. I think that's where Arctic Monkeys took it back to being raw and simple because Libertines has went as far as all right, we're taking crack and heroin. Like, you just, I rem- like I remember like there's that. Nowhere, there's nowhere further you can go with crack and heroin. So it's the point of, come on, lads. When I hear about a band and the first thing I know about them is they're all heroin addicts and I haven't heard a song, I'm like, yeah. you're ran by someone other than a record company here, lads, because uh, you're tabloid fodder. Like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Darty never left the fucking pages. And uh, yeah, so Monkey's coming out then, and we should point out it's Arctic Monkeys, not the Arctic Monkeys. They didn't fall into the the categories. Um, but again, the name Arctic Monkeys was just Arctic Monkeys, yeah. Um, quite funny at the time to the point where Gallagher, Noel Gallagher, famously, um, just heard the name, hadn't heard anything about them, hadn't heard a note of their music. And uh, I think it was really one I remember it happened. Joe Wiley bet him 50 pounds. He was like, Arctic Monkeys, a band with a name like Arctic Monkeys, are never going to win a Brit Award. Oh, he really said that? Yeah, he said it really well. And like three months later or something, they're up on stage collecting for the award. And it was all like things. So wait, the, the, the debut hadn't been out? No, it hadn't been out. No, he just heard the Oh, right. So he hadn't even. Yeah. I think maybe the, the, the single had come out or something. Okay. But because again. Yeah, because it, it came out like the latter stages of 2005, 2005. And then the album followed early 2006. But yeah. But it was actually sort of classed as 2005. If you look at the release dates or anything, they'll say 2005. But it was, yeah. I think it was like. Maybe even this, you know, November, December time. Oh. I thought it was like January because it, my my whole thing with the album is, uh, I bet you looking the dance floor was everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. For a long period of time. And yeah. then. So it it was in, in um so recorded in September two thousand five, and then um released then into two thousand six, January two thousand six. Yeah. Um. And again, I mean, it was already the <laughs> the cover gave them. They got a bit of stick about the cover. Yeah. So the cover is a guy called Chris McClure, who is um, a friend of theirs, and isn't he the brother of the guy from Reverend and the Makers, the lead singer? I don't know if he is or not. I, I mean, think he's something to do with him. They're in Sheffield well, as well. He's John McClure, like so. It must be. It could be. A, it could be a coincidence. But uh, <laughs> Scotland's NHS had to go with them because of the smoking. <laughs> Because he's smoking, smoking uh, and the actual record label response, which was fucking genius, went. Actually, no. If you look at the ashtray full of cigarettes at the front and the shape of his face, what it's doing is actually promoting the smoking's <laughs> not good for you. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, we're not changing this yeah, fucking this cover. Album's just staying as is. Uh, so four band members. Mm-hmm. So you have, uh, well. The bass player at for this album and for the first album was yeah, Andy Nicholson. I, I remember this whole palava, but I don't really know much about what was his reasons behind it. Or he didn't like. They they were a few months in after yeah. the album came out. They were fucking. It was the by the way the biggest sound debut album yeah, of all time in the UK. Time. Still is, and it's like being lauded absolutely everywhere. It's getting mm-hmm. five star reviews in every corner of the universe. Like, and all of a sudden this boy leaves. Boy leaves, and they're about to make. Mm-hmm. A kill them and they're good. Yeah, like that's that's. This make sure it, that this I, is I, number one point. Yeah. They're good. Yeah, and I, he still lived. And he lived. And uh, the 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 reasons were always very cryptic. Um, you know, he didn't like traveling. What? Yeah, like um, up and down the motorways. Because <laughs> it's gonna get worse than that. Yeah, and I mean, when you get in chartered fucking flights and uh, you actually. Own the plane. I don't really know if that's hard traveling, but it's fierce. He was a big lad, you know. Maybe he just missed right. a little fucking steak pies at home. Home comfort. Oh, you know yourself. I wouldn't want to move too far away from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know. So he left, and uh, uh, subsequently, Nick O'Malley from the Dodgems. Uh, from the what? The Dodgems. What a name, by. Surely he's one of us, is he? I have no idea. Bound him. Nick O'Malley? O'Malley. Probably. Somewhere down the line. Somewhere down the line. There's a connection. The bloodline was tainted. Across the water. <laughs> uh, you have then, so the four boys, you have uh, Annie Nicholson on bass, you have uh, Cookie on um, guitar. What was it, James Cook? Mm-hmm. Matt Helders on drums, and then another guitar and lyricist and singer, Alex Turner. Mm-hmm. Turner's background is um, his father... That's right. His father's a German 
teacher. He taught German at school, and his mother was a music teacher. So automatically, you can see uh, music and language. Obviously, very evident in the album too. Yeah. In regards to the lyrics and um, the chord structure, sometimes is yeah, quite impressive. So twenty. Yeah. Way younger when he wrote with them too. Way younger, like sixteen, sixteen, seventeen. <laughs> we passed. Anyway, we're not going to get better. We're not going to get better. <coughs> no, we're going to uh, not have much support and love. That's why we call it the best. Uh, it took me a while. I'm not going to lie. It took me a while to get over that hump on my back about somebody young <laughs> coming out with such uh, what would you call it raw uh, energy. It was just I was not even, but raw good energy. You know, I was good. It, it was, was really, really again good. point one. It's good. Yeah. So you just couldn't deny. How it's good sort it was. of like people were equating it to everything, like like guitar rock, alternative rock, mm-hmm. Brit rock. But it's 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 sort of like punk. Yeah. It's almost there, there's there's so many influences in it that that rock just doesn't. No. And indie rock. I mean, what the fuck is indie rock anymore? Indie used to be you were signed to an independent record label. That's what. Mm-hmm. Indie was short for. Yeah, yeah. Now indie's a genre of music. Yeah. You can be an electronic you can be artist on that makes fucking Warner Brothers or you can be twenty five million streams. Yeah. But it's indie independent. Music. It doesn't no. make any sense. So I kinda just like meant sort of jingly jangly guitar music. It's sort of the independent type uh theme as such. That's what it seems today. Uh, indie music just means that. But um that was an independent label they were on. Domino wasn't um wasn't very mainstream until they obviously sold on to their well, they went out of their AMI, way. Did, think, did yeah. they? Did, or did they, they just get a better him. deal with Domino? Or? Domino, I think, was a... I can't remember the name of the guy who ran it, but he he was a very small record label, and he only selected bands he personally liked. Yeah. So there was nobody on there that he didn't like to listen to. Okay. And, uh, yeah, he obviously seen what was going on. He obviously was able to feel the pulse of what was happening around in regards to the internet, um, in regards to the sort of swell of following that they were getting and the songs going about. The album comes out then and goes, it comes out with the first single, mm-hmm. I Bet You Look Good in the Dance Floor, which is just a fucking, I mean, it's, oh, it's bothering around it's, it's a banger, like, uh, I don't think I'd ever heard some 18-year-old running around talking about Montague's and Capulets mm-hmm. and rhyming it with DJ sets. Well, there's, <laughs> there's probably a few, like, but. They weren't in our fucking close quarters. No, like. I mean, it was some of the lyrics in that alone. Um, a lot of pop culture references and stuff, but um, my name isn't Rio, but I don't like the sand. Yeah, don't care for sand or lights. Yeah. Um, but again, that, that song was just everywhere for the two to three months before the album that it was really, really... I, I fought it for... Eight, I remember being at a... I was in Liverpool... For an engagement party. Mm-hmm. And it was in the bar we were in. It was in the <laughs> chippy after. Yeah. It was on the fucking plane on the way home. Somebody was listening to it. And I was like... It was everywhere. And Radio 1 gave it a... Ma- at the time, I don't listen to Radio 1 anymore because I'm an old fuck. But at the time, Radio 1... Because of the techno a- DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Once Moilsy left, I left. That was it. That was it. That was done. Uh, you didn't even protest. You just literally just turned left. her over. Yeah. Never. Gone. Uh, it never. Uh, I've never seen maybe before or since a band getting such a push mm. by the BBC and by Radio One. Um, yeah, but again, I presume and I assume that's them getting to the the crux of keeping an eye on what's going on with the internet, keeping an eye on what's going on with the the underground, if you want to call it that. <coughs> well, they the had end, to the indie scene because because yeah, there was no pre-sale up. figures and all that crack. No. Then they were they weren't looking at streams. They weren't looking at. They had a look at MySpace and they had to go. Why are there whatever and, amount of thousand people then following? Radio had to give radio play. Yeah, something that never happened before. So a band that had become had got onto the DJ's radar without ever being played on their station mm-hmm. was the, was the first. Yeah, you know, always at all times your your album is pass around the producing team or whatever and they listen to it or whatever, you know but they didn't in this one this was completely um, organic if you want to call it that uh, the album comes out then after the I Bet You Look Good in the Dance Floor and it just as I say a biggest selling album a debut album of all time in the UK uh, what, what was the figure? there was, was over fir- 300 and something thousand in the, in the first week or something but I know 360 copies 360,000 yeah. how? Yeah, in that day yeah where CDs weren't 
It's the, you, it, you, was, it, was it, was, the, it was on the decline. It like. was on the decline, and vinyl hadn't done resurgence as it has now. Um, three hundred sixty thousand. Yeah, in a week, and it beat just in the UK. Just UK. Hearsay, I do believe, were the ones who had the record. So okay, thank no. sweet fuck for what? Arctic Monkeys um, for changing that um, hell of a fucking record. What was the hearsay song? Uh, thankfully, I don't know. <laughs> it better not be one of their bangers, Connor. Because <laughs> that'd be fucking ridiculous. Hearsay, I do know that I can see the song. In front of Is it pure and simple? Oh, were they pure and simple? They, they, fucking they were pure and simple. simple <laughs> Uh, Alright, so it changed that dynamic too? Yes. Kind of like we talked about in one of our previous episodes about raids. Um, changing the dynamic with the X-Factor thing. This again was another uh, kind of fuck you to the system where something good, something of quality, and something of musical quality, but not only musical quality, but the lyrical quality as well, um, was actually going to be on top, which was great. It wasn't pure and simple, everyone. Oh, Rest easy. Okay. I could have got fucking... Things could have got messy in here, boy. Who was it? I can't find it. <laughs> That's the only one I know. <laughs> Did they have others? I don't, Huge ones? I don't, don't even waste time thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> the album then has a second single that comes out. Yeah. Which again is just... With a, f- a great video. Great video. Absolutely amazing video. Um, so it's when the sun goes down. Mm-hmm. The story of it's like a modern day Roxanne, yeah, yeah. Um, the story of a prostitute, um, thrown the streets and being controlled by some scummy man, which was the original name for the song, and they weren't allowed to call it that. Why, scummy man? I don't know. Just I think the film's called that, isn't it? It probably they did yeah, like a short yeah, film yeah. based off that. Video I think the it? song is called. That's why they call it scummy man. The song was right. called scummy man, and I think obviously prevailing heads within the record label realized this song is going to be massive mm. so they didn't want scummy man written everywhere all over the place which i think would have been fucking brilliant mm. um but yeah what it did was it shone a light and this is the other thing about the first album is a lot of social commentary a lot of um tackling some serious issues whilst also a bit of fucking humor in the lyrics so you're talking about um prostitution and the suffering maybe that the ladies have to go through and uh, the answering that they have to do to men. Um, and the video was, was it Stephen Graham, was it? No, was it the video? No, I it? think he he's producer on it. There was another guy who, or no, the actor. The actor, the actor yeah. yeah, it was Stephen, yeah, Gra- Stephen uh, Graham. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he, it was him and the girl from, what do you call that crazy show it was in Channel 4? Oh, yeah. You remember? Mm-hmm. Fuck it, I'm looking it up. <laughs> <laughs> well when, when the song goes down uh, it's sort of just cemented that if you want to call it mainstream appeal with two songs going straight to number one Misfits 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 uh, and I think actually the song, when the song goes down it didn't go to number one I think it went to like I think it did did it go to number one I and think. the next one didn't go maybe that's what it was the third single didn't go to number one um, so you have then those two which are pretty I mean, when you see them live, they're absolute bouncing tunes. Um, oh, they are, they Really, really crazy tunes. And I bet you're not good in the dance floor. I don't know what they decided internally as a band, but they decided somewhere along the line that, I don't know whether they got bored of the song or what, but they just thought, let's see how fucking fast we can actually play this. Yeah, isn't that like a notorious, like... They just went, and like, we'll get on to the drumming, obviously, mm-hmm. because we have yourself here, sir. But... Even just that intro to it so fast, and to keep that up, the, the level. I mean, I've to the point. W- there was one time they played in two thousand seven or something like that, and I f- thought they nearly actually ruined the song by making it too fast. You know, okay, it's, yeah, it kind of didn't suit to go that fast. Well, there was a story that I don't know if it was an engineer or producer said that when they were recording it, and I don't know again if it was the demo or the version we now hear, that they kept getting faster and faster, and he actually starts the start of the song on a click track so they can get a bass for the song yeah but then he said after he stopped the clicking just let them from like 30 seconds in go at whatever speed they want which is very strange for somebody to do on a debut album of boys that don't really know what they're doing yet because it's the first time they've been in the studio where they're recording an album so 
but they must have been like ourselves they must be able to spot quality that's what they got you know they've got a way I always say every morning I wake up I go I hope there's some quality about today so I can spot the fuck out of it and then do a broadcast about it (laughs) make sure everybody knows about it every time I see you're doing how much spot (laughs) quality just pointing at one day's now going that's quality you know pure quality But uh, yeah, yeah, the the I've 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 again like you said, I've seen like a Glastonbury or Reading clip recently and it was lightning fast. Yeah. And it and that stuck for a while until they sort of went into this new modern phase, if you want to call it that. Because this is the one good thing about early monkeys is that they unlike the rest of the bands at that time that you talked about earlier, there mm-hmm. was so many of them that were fucking all over the place. They were the only ones who genuinely went and reinvented themselves yeah pretty much every album yeah they sort of went either darker lighter or um more influenced more influenced (laughs) by the desert by the desert and josh home josh home josh homie some say homie i've always said home i would say home as in poor home yeah poor home apres rachage oh Oh. well i will (laughs) (laughs) thank you that's after (laughs) shit for me oh (laughs) thank you yeah you're welcome. I like you too. <laughs> so we're not under the influence at the moment. We no. uh Yeah. And staying with that then, you, you've got the quality of the two guitars is something that's rife throughout this. And this is kind of back to Turner's musical background. They're sort of interplaying with each other. Mm-hmm. Like they're kind of, they're kind of both lead guitarists, but they're not. And they're kind of both rhythm guitarists, but they're not. You know, it's a very unique dynamic because Cookie and Turner can both take serious turns. But Turner takes an awful lot of the the riffs, mm-hmm. which is quite strange to see too. A lead singer doing the riffs when the lead guitarist isn't really. You know, so it's a yeah. I, I know what you mean, but if if you think about it, like especially in this album, uh, he he'd been sitting with them songs for. Heaven knows how long, like. Yeah, he's had a few years. The, I think the, they said they had something like 16 tracks, uh, like or 18 maybe, sorry, 18 tracks ready to go for the album. <laughs> and they didn't, obviously they only released um, the 10 on the, mm-hmm. on the album, but then they released an EP. Yeah. Who the fuck are already monkeys? And that was just straight after the album. Mm-hmm. Didn't get the release that, well, obviously, when you call the album "Who the Fuck Are Arctic Monkeys," <laughs> you're yeah. not gonna, yeah, you're not. Not a lot of people are gonna be promoting it on their morning radio shows, like. no. But again, a couple of fucking blinding tunes on it, mm-hmm. um, really, really good tunes. So if they, they definitely could have been on the album and all them songs. So I would, I normally look at it as being an extended album of sixteen, eighteen tracks. Yeah. Well, like I was, like I was saying, I think he maybe takes the riffs because he's just been sitting with them for so long. Yeah, and he knows them so well. Yeah, and it's just, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like a band that would ever fall out about things like that like no they seem to be quite a solid yeah. unit even though they fucking lost one of them um but well one just walked he just walked i um sort of shuffled more than anything else have you seen this is he one? is he real big like he's a I big boy oh he looks like me like he's a big lad like a big big unit um it'd been better if they kept him in they're well skinny looking uh, they're well skinny and he make looking he he rounds them off right mm-hmm. um and it brings and, and this is <laughs> <laughs> But this this is the problem when you listen to that album is you know it's him. The bass playing is fucking brilliant, isn't it? Aye, it's really good. It's really, really good. I'm not saying your man, the new guy, hasn't stepped up to play it. I think he has. But when you talk about that as a solid entity, that one album, it's him. It's, it's him. No yeah, no, I agree with you there. Uh, so then it brings us to uh, Matt Helders. Mm-hmm. And I love Matty. I now, that Helders. was the reason... It was like a load of drum magazines when we used to buy magazines. And he was yeah. all over them. Yeah. And I was going, why is the fucking boy from Arctic Monkeys on the... And this was well after... I'm talking about the summer of 2006 when I actually sat down and went, right, I'm going to give this a rattle. Because I heard um, when the song goes down and went, hold on, <laughs> I'm definitely missing something here. Mm-hmm. Because I can't stop singing that song. Yeah. Wherever I'm going. And I've only, I've just heard it. I've literally just heard it and passing the radio or something in the car or whatever I was yeah. doing. And this guy keeps appearing in every 
drummer magazine and end of year polls. He's the number one young drummer. Mm. I'm like, I'm missing something. And then I saw them live. Yeah. On a video. That it wasn't at a concert. But I saw a video. And the guys there, man, the boys are all trying their best to sort of be a wee bit suited and booted. Mm-hmm. Like they look like they have stage gear on. <laughs> and he's in the trackies, man. He's in the trackies, do you? In the t-shirt. Uh, smiling at him. Uh, right. <laughs> and then he starts singing. That's right, yes. I was just fucking get So then I became a big fan. And we should point out at this stage that Mr. Ronanus Milanus is uh, a drummer, for anybody mm. that doesn't know that. Bongo man. Bongo man. Um, so you can definitely give a lot more insight than I can to drumming. <laughs> You've seen my drumming. Um, I, I haven't so, seen you drumming in years. <laughs> and that's the fucking reason for that. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, there are things. I, I, if you get a chance, and, and I've, I've sent it to, to Ronan a few times, but... If you get a chance, go online and look for the video with um, Paddy Considine. Yes. And Paddy Considine, uh, the actor, does a, a character and uh, uh, he basically is having the crack with Matt Helders on the stage getting ready and he asks Helders to play the intro to I Bet You Look Good in the Dance Floor. Just have a look for that. Do you see Considine's face? Because he's trying to be in character of a cocky. Yep. But you can see him going, do, I do that again? I, it's <laughs> sort of like a... I didn't know you did all them bits, <laughs> but I'm the only drummer. <laughs> Couldn't have been anybody else doing any yeah. of the bits. Where's, where's the second drum kit? Yeah. Uh, even that intro. It's so fast, yeah, it's, so it's, quick. It's, 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 but he uses like wee light sticks, and I still don't know. Playing at that speed, you need, to, you need to play light, but the fact that he's a hard hitter too, playing wee light sticks is just an oxymoron. It makes no fucking sense mm. for him, because he's going to be busting hard, them hangs yeah. all over the place. And I remember reading a quote with him again in one of them drum magazines where he said, you know, we were playing at a festival and I just decided by watching the Queens of the Stone Age. Now, I don't know which drummer was playing. Mm-hmm. It could have been fucking Grohl. It could have been Grohl, yeah. And he went, all right, I may as well start hitting hard because everybody else is. <laughs> I was, what were you doing before? And he was just like pottering about. But then that's obviously where the speed came from, by playing light. Aye. But what they say is you're meant to use heavier sticks first and build up your speed. And then when right. you pick up light, lighter sticks, you're going to go fast, real fast. Right, okay. So it's the same as the people that wear weights on their legs when they're running. Mm-hmm. I mean, you take the weights, weights off, you're, you can be, you can run faster. Yeah. So he was doing the same, <laughs> from what I can see. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, "I've ever time I've seen him, he was he was getting better." And then they, he recently was in the backing band for Iggy Pop with <laughs> Josh Homme, <laughs> and he's playing all the Iggy Pop, all the old punk stuff from Stooges, and he's just he's like looking around and all like. Nah. That's a good crack. That's the thing it? about him. He just, it, it doesn't right. seem like any, it kind of reminds me of you, you fucker. Just no, he's, no, but he. Just staring around him, just smiling. <laughs> but that, with him, it was sort of like, you know he's probably got in the back of his head a few cans out the back for later. <laughs> As all drummers. As that. all drummers fucking do, to be fair. <laughs> all drummers I know, anyway. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, in that, in that video I'm talking about, Constantine does call him uh, this generation's Mitch Mitchell. He, he is very, very kinda, good. It kind of does he's, sum he's, up that. He's very impressive. He's he's the sort of guy that even if the drum, like if none of the musicianship in the band was extraordinary and they were all hired guns and Turner was still the main focus, which he is because he's the main man. Oh, yeah, yeah. You still can't keep your eye on this guy. Like, no. Like when it shows live shots, I, I, I know as a drummer I'm going to do that, but I know other people who aren't who go, a oh, fucking drummer's amazing. Hi. He's just, there. Yeah, everything he does. But everything um, sounds good. His sound is always really good. The drums sound good. Yeah. So And it was probably my biggest argument with their newest album is that he disappeared. Well, You've won the best drummers in the world and he's nowhere on the album. It's mm-hmm. all like slow piano stuff. I was like, what? Is Helder's fucking tied up in a basement somewhere? What's going on here? But these are all guys who were at the same school, knew each other when they were young, all this crap. Yeah, I think that was one of the things about your man Nicholson who left. He was the only one who wasn't from their area. So I think it's like he lived in Hillsborough where the other ones lived in Hill Green. Okay. Uh, that was the only difference between the three. So unless there was that, you know, but that was the difference. Yeah, they're all from the same area. They all grew up together. O'Malley, I think, apparently then is from that area too. So Okay. Um, it was that sort of geographical click <coughs> which does happen. Uh, you have we talked about uh, them playing live uh, but Turner one of the big things about Arctic Monkeys that stood out from everybody else is Turner singing in his own accent mm-hmm. which and, and I remember that being a big thing uh, I remember Morrissey slagged them off for it yeah and like there was a told he shouldn't do it and told he couldn't do yeah. it and uh, I mean some of the words and phrases and things that are used um, in the north of England 
uh, are fucking brilliant when they're mm. used it. Um, and even the fact that this has been played in America and they have to think of the, the words and phrases that they're using and trying like, to have, surely there must be fucking translating uh, options online for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, I don't know, could you, could you hear it any other way now? No. It would just sound weird, you know, the songs. But well, I think the joy of what they've done by singing in their own accent is that it becomes theirs. Like mm-hmm. nobody could even do a karaoke version of it. No. Do you know what I mean? Where every other Americanized sort of song you can sing along to, you can't do that with an Arnie Monkey song. No. Without putting on a really bad Sheffield accent. And w- w- seeing their later albums, I, like I said to you, I haven't listened to a lot of their later albums. I've heard a lot of the big singles. I listened to AM. I thought it was brilliant. But the most recent one, is it more watered down or? It's very um, very slow. And, and again, I wasn't expecting another jingly jangly guitar thing. But I just thought it definitely sounded like an Alex Turner solo album. Okay. You know? And has he, can't, is the Sheffield accent more or no, less? or still there, less but prevalent it's just, yeah, it's not as prevalent as it was at the start. I mean, okay. they were so, I think, I think from what you can tell them, they were so proud of where they came from. They wanted to really hammer that home. And so they were really pushing the accent thing. And as time has went on now, they're sort of, you know, moving away from that. Like I said, they have evolved every single time. Um, this album has got some amazing tracks that are non-singles. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Which I didn't know, by the way. Yeah. I thought they were singles because I'd heard them that much. So what are you talking? We've got... I didn't know that... I honestly thought that A Certain Romance was a single. No. Because I've heard it. Yeah. I've heard it as much as you look in the dance floor. Just a song that they played um, live and awful lot on like TV shows and stuff, Mm -hmm. which you would think would be their single, but it wasn't, no. Um, I'm trying to see. They have the Fake Tales of San Francisco was was released. There was a video made of it by somebody, like one of their mates or something. It was a video done. But was it a single? I'm not I sure it was. I don't think it came out I, as I an actual single. I think like they had a video just for it, and that was it, you know, but that didn't class it as being a single. Okay, right. Because ah, it, it says online that it, there was only two singles. Yeah, I think they were the ones. That's you have, I know, because you've got Marty Bum, which was, mm-hmm. you know, it was very poppy. Um, but Marty Bum is, like... Uh, Go on. <laughs> I think you're delicate about it now. Is it fierce? We've said worse. No, um, no, I'm not saying anymore. But Marty Bum is about um, his girlfriend mm-hmm. on her certain time, right? Hence Marty Bum. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm assuming they're not together. I don't know. I don't know who it was about, but it was. It could relate to any man speaking to mm. a woman. Mm. He's uh, he's he, opened up an avenue there. I didn't want to venture down. No, you definitely want to venture down. I'm not that. venturing down that avenue. Not that time, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bad moving, moving swiftly along. Bad. <laughs> uh, Red Van was another slow song, um, but Red Van was um, another ver- another uh, example of great social commentary mm-hmm. of young lads just literally whiting cops up and just... Yeah. run around and and they 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 so hit the nail on the head of every young person that's ever had their name taken by the police or have been you know um why not go and catch proper crooks and all that sort of stuff you know there's a lot of uh again i mean you could you could i always think you should teach that song to police when they come into the police academy training just listen to that and look at the lyrics this is what they're doing they're taking the fucking hand <laughs> <laughs> when you're out in the street that's what they're doing yep and they know they're doing it. Yep. They're running from you and they're hiding. They're laughing. They're just taking the piss out of you. Um, but then it might just increase the police shooting. So it might just skip that maybe. Fuck. Especially after the news today that Brexit crack's going to be. Could be just shooting up the riverbank every weekend now. What? What Brexit? Anyway. What fucking Brexit. Anyway. You heard it here first. Go on. <laughs> uh, we have. Some of the lyrics, if you take a fake tales of San, uh, fake tales of San Francisco, where well, um, fake tales of San Francisco, I was going to say earlier, that's, that's the one uh, that I got a, that I started actually getting interested because again on a it was a TV show or something. I have a real vivid memory of them playing on some. It mightn't have been a UK show, but 
They play Fake Tales of San Francisco and I sort of heard the start and was saying to myself, all right, that's, that's, it's not as punchy as the dance floor one. And then it gets to the last part of the song. Mm -hmm. And what happens is I hit, it's a pet hit, where if a drummer's playing the part of a song uh, along to the riff, so the guitar riff sort of goes, right? You're not meant to go. You're meant to go and just sledge it because mm-hmm. it's rocky. So I'm going, oh, why did he do that? And then he does sledge it the second half second of that half bit. Of, yeah. And that's when I went, how long are we managing? How long, sir? Turn that back to the start. That turn it up m- may be uh, in the week that is International Podcast Day. That mm-hmm. might be the first ever um, podcast drum rendition. Mike, Mike Drummond? Mike Drummond was dun 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 Dun, 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 dun. I can do more if you want. No, please don't. I was reading about Gary Glitter this morning. <laughs> I swear to God it was. I was telling people, but I have to tell you what it's about because it's going to sound weird. Oh. In the new Joker film, mm-hmm. there's a fucking Gary Glitter song. A prominent scene has a Gary Glitter loud and proud. Oh, no. And I was like, and it was actually a Twitter thread from a guy and the guy was saying, do the Americans not fucking know that we cancelled Glitter? Glitter's got glitter's cancelled. Nonce alert. <laughs> so he's. Ah uh, no. So then it's the guy's happen. actually hunting down. He goes, "I've actually been looking up guy glitter," and there's a story from the Daily Mail, and the, the, the caption was, "Guy glitter gets booed off jail karaoke competition, <laughs> starts crying." Like <laughs> <laughs> I thought, makes me feel oh, better. Oh, daddy, no glitter for glitter. <laughs> oh, or maybe a lot of glitter for glitter. Jesus, so right. Uh, there you go. I'm not going to sing Gary Glitter piece. Please don't. We'll save that for our Patreon stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know where the fuck. How did we even. Like, <laughs> from the drumming. From Mike drumming. From your Mike drumming. The first ever Mike drumming on the Gary Glitter. Mighty. Uh, he did absolutely bang out the end of that. I, but that, that, that was that, when that, I that went. track was. My br- know, even though I'd heard Dance Floor. And I'd heard um, the second single. I, I still wasn't totally in. But then when I heard the end of Fake Tales of San Francisco, I just decided to drop my bullshit radar yeah. and went, no, just give these boys a full birth. It was basically a, a, a warning song to um, to all the wannabe rock stars. Wasn't yeah. it? it was kind of, you know, it sort of, it, it must have summed up the scene that was going on in Sheffield, but that scene could be replicated any. Uh, major city across the UK and Ireland it's the same yep. sort of thing um, I love the there's a couple of lines of it I'm just going to say so uh, and there's a super cool band yeah with their trilbies and their glasses of white wine and the weekend rock stars are in the toilets practicing their lines my god I always loved that um, and you've got this almost like a commentary on clicks that happen within music and oh, oh, yeah. the, the bias that sometimes goes out when and this is you playing in clubs and shows around your home area this isn't you as the sound yeah. 320,000 or 360,000 in a week band this is you just seeing other bands coming up mm-hmm. and just observations of, and we've all seen it absolutely he talks of San Francisco but he's from Hunter's Bar <laughs> I always say Hunter's Crescent Hunter's Crescent you know what else uh the Rotherham line. Every time I'm doing the accumulator on a Saturday morning, every time I see Rotherham, I go, huh. "You're not from New York, <laughs> you're from Rotherham." You're from Rotherham. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the same, and the same song. This song is just so many great lines. Um, I'm talking about a band um, that is playing, who were absolutely terrible. Uh, he says, "Yeah, but his bird says it's amazing, though." So all that's left is the proof that love's not only blind <laughs> but deaf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The proof of love's not only blind but deaf. I just thought that was fucking brilliant. And then they just shout out the whole way down the end of the song, get off the bandwagon and put down the handbook. Mm-hmm. For so long, I thought they were saying Apple. I thought it was Anvil. Right. Or Anvil, sorry. I thought I it thought, was yeah. Anvil for fucking ever. Apple, and I thought it was Anvil. Um, but yeah, so uh, get off the bandwagon and put down the handbook. But they say Anbook. Anbook. Nambook. I can't so, do that accent. I can't do that right now. I sound like South African there. Uh, <laughs> so, so the problem 
even for me at that stage, you're singing along to sometimes when you're talking about a band that sings in their own accent, you sometimes are mispronouncing. Yeah, you're more than you would be absolutely um, with somebody singing in, in, in an Americanized sort of thing. So colloquial terms and stuff. Um, uh, more recently, the likes uh, Jerry Cinnamon's doing that. He's singing in his own accent again. Was told not to do it, but is doing it and then doing his own thing. And was he a internet? He was a busker, just. But did he get a lot of popularity no, on the internet, or yeah. is he is he just no 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 radio play at all until now? Um, no radio play, no record label, no no anything. Started off in Celtic bars in Glasgow. That's the way to do it. Busking, playing, and place just he started doing a version of Disco Land, mm-hmm. and because the Celtic fans used to go mad at it. I just built from there, and then he released it on Facebook, and and now he's selling it every show he goes to, you know. But it's again, it was that whole there would be no Jerry Cinema without Arctic Monkeys, you know. They were the first one to start that whole internet thing, um. But again, the colloquialism, some of the things that are said, I don't. Now I hear Jerry Cinema singing a song called Keezy's. Um, what's it actually called? Keezy's up, Keezy's down. It's called Keezy's. 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 Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. But I have no idea what Keezy's are. It's obviously, I don't know if it's like a... a sure, he's not just shouting about Jesus. No. Or Jesus. No. Praise Lord. It's, um, I checked the lyrics, not to see what the fuck he's talking about. And, um, yeah. But Jesus. again, it's a colloquial thing. I've asked, like, some of the Scottish friends, and maybe... Um, they're keeping it themselves, aren't they? I don't know. They're not telling us, but... Um, Jesus, I must ask me how... Me old mucker, Stephen, from Cumbernauld in Glasgow. Cumbernauld? Cumbernauld. Hey, Steve. Uh, cause you might ask him see if he knows what Keezy's is. But he's probably sitting like listening now, going, "How the f- do they not fucking know that?" I know, but I, I don't know. I, I I checked online to see if it was nobody because I don't know if it's their version of Curbsies or something or I don't know. Anyway, it's it's based on him being a child, so it has to be a childhood game. Okay, but so that's he's the got the same happened. sort of growth. Same thing happens where I'm singing along to the end of the Fake Tales of San Francisco, saying Anvil or Apple when he's actually saying Handbook. <laughs> So, because uh, uh, he's not pronouncing the H, and then when you actually see the lyrics, because this is the 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 downside of this day and age. No CDs, no man. CDs, and only for the lyrics. No, so, I know you can go on to Google and go and search, <coughs> but but when you're sitting in your, you know, you're not doing that. You're not going looking for it. When you had a CD in your hand, you you had it there. And you mm-hmm. just, like um, our revolution about Bobby Sands and the Raising the Machine, and then boys could have been thanking fucking anyone in that. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, or fat or something. <laughs> we wouldn't know. No. You run about shouting about fucking apples and anvils. <laughs> <laughs> Get off that bandwagon, boy. Uh, you've got then uh, the sort of legacy, if you want to talk about the aftermath, because they won the Mercury Music Prize for the album that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been nominated every album since. Really? Uh, yeah. They haven't won since, but they won uh, for the first one. They And uh, rightly so. I mean, yeah, again, I think that's lyrically, fair. Lyrically, it was um, just outstanding. You then have the uh, follow-on, the follow-on albums, of course, but the follow-on tours and stuff. It just grew and grew and grew, uh, and they got rid of some of the what would you call it, the hangers-on from the first album, the ones who just went, "Oh, jeez, I'll take a look at this because I've been told to by radio." Okay. Um, by the time the third album came, they were definitely getting rid of those people, and that was humbug. Uh, that was was that humbug? Yeah. Um, and that's where the influence of other songwriters. I'm checking. See, Humbug was definitely. Um, that's where the desert comes in with the mushrooms. Um, but it always does. Always. <laughs> um, and they have so many um, influences coming around them, but nobody really gets to influence them that much. I think they're just sort of guided. You know, like corral and horses, yeah, just pushing them a certain way, but they're gonna do what the fucking want anyway. So, and and that's what I'm thinking because you, uh, favorite worst nightmare came out in 2007, um, and yeah, humbug was the third one, so that was them going off in 2009. I don't want to say rediscover themselves, that's not what they were doing. And and actually, Hom has said since that he shouldn't get credit for um, directing their sound as such. They found their sound themselves. He just mm-hmm. happened to share the mushrooms with them. Um, well, you're in the middle. Let's explain yeah. what... So they went to... Rancho the, de la Luna or something? Yeah, in the middle of... Is it Nevada, is it? It's um, in Death Valley. And it's yeah, it's and in the middle of the desert, literally in the middle of nowhere. And a lot of major bands have recorded big albums there um, with different producers, but you just get to hire the... Just hire the space, yeah. Yeah, and away you go. So but it was Josh Holm had been sort of producing along with a few others, but... Uh, 
yeah, you can definitely see a Queens of the Stone Age influence in that third album. Um, well, they're big fans. And they're big fans, yeah. You can see it coming out without a doubt. Caius and Queens of the Stone Age, so there's no harm. It don't sound like rip-offs. They're not mocking. No, you know, they're not a definitely not. tribute band. Like they're but they could have easily went down the Coldplay route or the Killers, you know, tried to become more poppy, but they didn't. They got rid of all that. Pop, electronic. It was AM. Maybe they brought them back full circle. Um, in regards and that's to a cracker. Pop, like. But it's a cracker album. Every tune is brilliant. But uh, uh, up until that, they were definitely carving their own um, audience. And you're going to get, no matter what, like some people will just always go to see them just to hear I Bet You Look in the Dance Floor. And that's just the that's, nature that, of the that's, piece. That's yeah. fine. Like. Yep. Um, the my favorite art of monkeys tune came out after the album, um, the leave before the life before the lights came on, um, which was again part of that eighteen track CD, and it's and it was the last it was the last song Turner wrote before the debut album came out, even though they released it maybe a year and a half after. Okay, um, totally belongs. In the album again, and I genuinely think it should have been in the album over some other songs. But it's again back to the the thing that they were good to do or good at doing was the videos. Mm-hmm. The video was fucking amazing. So the video was Paddy Considine. Um Have you seen it? No, I don't think I have. Paddy Considine's walking on the street and a shoe falls in front of him. I have seen that. Yes, I have seen that. And it's a woman on the roof, and he mm-hmm. goes and says, "Yeah." So that alone as a story is. Mm-hmm. amazing the, the video but then you've got the song as well so that just shows you the quality if you take it up to that point there that point was the whatever people say and that's what i'm not that was the end of it mm-hmm. in that sense because all the singles had a couple of b-sides um and do they have like a deluxe version of it with all those no they put didn't on do it, together this the, the b-sides right there's a there's a great tune called uh bigger boys and stolen sweethearts okay and basically because turner was a wiry we run <laughs> obviously some big cool fucking Jack stole his girlfriend, and um, he starts writing about it, <laughs> and it's it's brilliant. Does you know this? Uh, uh, the boy's obviously a bit older, and he's got a car, and he doesn't all this sort of stuff. So a lot of school sort of vibes of it, but it's written such a way that it's very adult as well, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, the joy of his, his lyrics. Uh, one thing he's been consistent on has been the lyrics since. Um, he's always. Uh, his turn of phrase. Turn of phrase. <laughs> turn of turn phrase. Of phrase. This turn of phrase is excellent. Um, Do you want me to go back to Mike Drummond? Go back to Mike Drummond. No. No. <laughs> the, um, some of the, the, the 10, is it 10 or 11 tracks? 10 tracks. Uh, that, uh, uh, let's say 50 tracks. Yeah. No, I think it's fucking more than that, actually. Um, thirteen maybe. Thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Because you've got again from the Ritz, the rubble mm-hmm. is a mighty social um, commentary and bouncers. Yeah, that's a great end uh, to the album too. Like it's those, those the three at the start and the three at the end are just mighty. He he literally was able to sum up every single experience you've had with a bouncer <laughs> in one song mm, yeah like <laughs> these two bouncers one of them was all right and the other one's a scary one is his way or no way totalitarian <laughs> 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 and then goes on to describe exactly something we've all done yeah swap jumpers and make another move <laughs> go for it again or the famous one of uh do you mind sally's introduced to no trainers Law. I do remember, do you remember that. Remember that? Because that was post university for me. Uh huh. So I landed back to my job with a woman, right? Night out or night out. <laughs> and then this new fucking new rule. We've been in the paints all day. Uh, we didn't have don't good shoes on. That's sure. Uh, for anybody young listening, Sally's decided um, this was the, the craze of the mid to, uh, to early 2000s where trainers replicated you were a scumbag. <laughs> So Fucking right. Trainers were not allowed in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what they were trying to do at the time. I still don't know what they were trying to do. I it think kinda, it was when people were getting their heads beat in outside after. It was a softer blow when you had trainers on, so they preferred winkle pickers giving you oh, a good kicking in the skull. Steel toe caps only. All right. All right uh. <laughs> That's my take on it. Anyway, probably wrong. I mean, so they, they yeah. But this just reminded me of it. This, this, the story in that song where he um, talks about swapping jumpers and trying to get back in again because the bouncer wouldn't let him in. 
reminds me of a story of a a local guy, mm-hmm. uh, a local barber, who um, has known to be mm-hmm. partaking in oil sauce the whole time. Okay. And uh, went to Sally's during this new rule that they had, which again, I don't understand what it was for, why it was there. It was to sort of make the place look classier. So you Sally's could, I know you could wear a pair of fucking two ninety nine goodies from fucking Duns as long as they were yeah. black. One hour, one hour before yeah. in the front bar, but and then all of a sudden, but your hundred and forty pound pair of Nikes are going to make this place look trashy. Um, kind of the same schools. I think it's the OCD thing. They can't handle the pair of white against black. You're not allowed to wear white. I have to wear black because my eyes couldn't handle it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, our our mutual friend who. Mm-hmm. Um, was slightly inebriated one night, did a Alex Turner. He walked to the front of the queue at Sally's, was told, you're not getting in because you weren't trainers. <laughs> Went to the back of the queue, remembered he was wearing black socks. Oh. So took off the trainers and the socks, put the trainers back on, and then put the socks over the top of the trainers and walked in. And got in? Got in. They were black. He got in? Yeah. Wearing socks over shoes. Socks over shoes. Because the white didn't show up. That's all they were looking for. I don't know what was going on at the time. The word was mental. Schools still have it. Schools still enforce that rule. They can't have white. Boys are dear. Can't handle it. But uh, it was genius. And uh, it's a step further than swapping jumpers. Um, is <laughs> taking off your fucking yeah. socks and putting them over your white trainers. Uh, and getting in. Happy days. Only thing rules a pair of socks. Was it a town rule or just Sally? Just, I think just Sally's. Why the fuck were we going there anyway? Uh, the, the society was going there running. Uh-huh. Society thought they were up their hole and they thought that people looking classier made them act classier. And then they realised, <coughs> oh fuck, that's not the case. Now Definitely just, not. Now we've just got a load of very well-dressed people in casualty. Yep. Um, uh, <laughs> with no white shoes. With no white shoes. <laughs> so you can't see the bloods all over their feet as well. There's <laughs> uh, nothing but fucking bloodstained desert boots. Desert boots, man. Desert boots were the one, boy. Were you let in with desert boots? Anything. As long as you weren't trainers. As long as you weren't wearing trainers. As as wearing That's trainers. it. That's just trainers. Oh, for fuck's sake. What I know. I know. You think of today with the Converse and all the different things everybody wears. <laughs> Nobody's allowed in with trainers. <laughs> uh, but people fucking abided by the, That's the power Sally's had. People abided by the rule. That's all right. Wingnut went and changed the socks. Fucking Alex Turner wouldn't have stood for it. He wrote a fucking query to Daddy about it. Fairness, he probably would have got in way before me, you, and the barber. Oh, I absolutely. Barbara still can get in. Literally. <laughs> so, to finish up, I mm-hmm. mean, uh, definitely deserving to be in our top ten. I know, not in our top ten, sorry, in our in our our best of. Uh, it just had to be number ten because of our inability to condense. I I are like, are we allowed to reveal? No, or, you know what? Fuck it. We may as well because. To be absolutely fair, I think everybody will know why. Yeah, when we do, and the, and I, my fear is they'll think it's the other one of the two that they think it's going to be. Um, oh yeah, from the same. Yeah, yeah. So our episode ten was supposed to be the Sopranos, and uh, when we started to go back into the epic opus, I started reading the book. I have like a behind it's the scenes of scripts and all. I started reading it and I was like, man, I, we're never going to... We're never going to be ready. And to, be, to the point where uh, now control yourselves if you're driving now, don't crash the car. It might be a two-parter. Two for? Two for one. But if it is, we're going to have to we're gonna have to break it up because of the fucking seasons, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's, it's proper. It's so epic. Hard going. So that's our next episode, hopefully. Um, if you hear something other than Sopranos um, in our next episode, that is because, again, it is still far too fucking massive. Yeah. And we want to do it justice. We do have our list together. We're not leaving you after the 10, like we threatened the last time. I know a few people were quite um, at the end of their of their wits when they thought that they weren't going to have us. Um, the barber's still trying to get into Sally. <laughs> He's up there now. In a riot. And... No, we're going to be about for another while, and thank you very much for everybody that's listening. Like we said the last time, leave us a wee review, leave us a wee clip, 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 a wee um, subscription, and uh, tell your friends, and keep up the, the, the good fight, our Bolivian comrades. There's like, I'm at Norway? Norway, Finland. What's going on? Don't know. Has to be Tor Browser. Bound to be. Has to be. Could be more lunatics in Norway, like. 
from here. Bolivia, I get it. Bolivia, I can understand. Know what I was thinking about Bolivia? We're going to leave like, it on this. Let's be honest, we had a few Colombians out there, you know, before. We definitely had a few Colombians. Colombian, Colombian Dungana? Dungana? Ah. Right, from Dungana. So, remember... Surprise, surprise, turn Cella Black, hosted by Cella Black. I sure do, indeed. Do you think that there was ever a time when they went to find the people and they were like, no, I'm deliberately gone. I don't want to know thee. You imagine many producers were threatened that they found people that other people couldn't find. <laughs> and they were like, but it's for Cella Black, surprise, surprise. They're like, man, I've been on the run for fucking gone running for, get, yeah, the f- get away from me. Now I have to move again. Go and set up shop in Bolivia. So that's what I'm thinking about my, our Bolivian boys. Solidarity. Where we're where was he in heart and spirit, lads? Keep up. Unless he did something real fucked up. I mean, if you're just working over there, happy days, maybe. Ah, but uh, I mean, that's enough. You're garden coke. I mean, that's that's you know, every job has its mm-hmm. merit, and uh, we hope you will take a wee listen to Artie Monkeys, um, their first album. If you've never listened to Artie Monkeys and you like us, are like all oh, those fucking young whippersnappers know nothing. No, no. What would I be listening to? Please don't judge them on that. Go and listen to that first album. Um, I'd love to be listening to it now with fresh ears. Oh, yeah. Because it still sounds so raw yeah. and so... Uh, and to unique. be fair, I hadn't heard it in a few years and going back to it over the last few weeks, it was like... Yeah, still, still good. there, still strong. Um, so it's thank you very much from myself and thank you from him. Me. We will see you again next week. We're sorry for the delay, but we will be back on track Um, from next week. Monday onwards. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you in your ears very soon. See you in your ears. We will see you in your ears. In your ears. (laughs) What?